show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch bringing you the astrology forecast of October 5th to October 11th, 2022. This week brings us a full moon in Aries conjunct asteroid Chiron. And this lunation is illuminated by the sun in Libra with Venus and Libra under the beams. So it's also Venus combust. The moon Chiron conjunction in Aries highlights sensitivities around how we see ourselves and the particular trials that we've historically identified with, right? Like a wound or some kind of flaw that is part of our identity um, and the ways we've designed our character in reaction or response. And due to there being a moment of illumination occurring around these storylines, it may offer a kind of checkpoint for reassessment or evolution or healing occurring at a new layer. So something that I want to offer here is that part of the the myth of Chiron, you know, can involve this like wound that doesn't heal. And I think that there is something about the healing process where as we first become aware maybe not even as we first become aware, but there can be a stage of relating to an issue that we have as like, oh, I need to heal this. And I do, there's definitely issues that we have that we end up totally reversing or healing completely and experiencing that kind of victory. And then there's also things that we come back to and have different layers unravel for our entire lifetimes. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. It means that We are incarnate beings who exist here essentially in an imperfect reality as imperfect beings. And so just to like really diffuse the sense of like feeling like there's something especially wrong with us individually. It's like everyone on the planet has got something going on (laughs) that is part of why they're here again on earth school. And so, yes, it, it, like the internal experience of whatever our thing is, is really intense and everyone's got something like we're all in that together in that sense. And so Mars, the ruler of Aries is currently in Gemini and will square Neptune at the end of the week. I've been looking to this transit for a while um, because of the Mars retrograde and really considering Mars Neptune. So we'll talk more about that um, in a little bit here. This transit Mars square Neptune has a quality of an infinite choose your own adventure where any approach or action we take in reality unfurls into a distinct timeline. There can be some necessity here to become more disciplined about not investing energy in thoughts, fantasies, and perspectives that severely diminish us, have us feeling sorry for ourselves, make it hard to start the day, distract us from living, right? To feel tortured by our own thoughts, Um, And alternately investing in pathways that bring us to to life and in that way, respect and honor life. 
right? Like not taking it for granted or just as a given that if we're having a thought stream or an orientation to a situation that is diminishing our life force, maybe there's another way to look at it, right? Like we can still be with the activation, but really there's something here about our own flexibility and choice in terms of how we are thinking about things. With these factors happening at the same time, the awareness that we have sensitivities and unique heroic wounds, our tragic flaw, or that one problematic thing in our lives we have never really been able to figure out, may feel psychologically daunting, but the call to adventure is not necessarily to pick at the problem and feel defeated by it, but rather to uncover the next step in the story in a meaningful direction. There may be a call for balance then on how we are relating to soberly assessing an issue at hand, taking responsibility, not looking away, versus how we are investing energy in nourishment, well-being, creativity, and the rest of life such that we are holistic and not getting tunnel-visioned and myopic. The symbolism of Venus under the beams of the sun suggests that reconciliation is on the way in ways we cannot see yet. I think of peak moments of distress or the existential anxieties that it's never going to work out or those existential places we literally cannot imagine things getting better, at least in the troubled area of life. For me personally, these are places I find it helpful to turn to prayer and to literally ask spirit or whoever you speak to, to show me the way and to help me see, right? I look back in time and think about all the times I've been stuck and been like, wow, it's I'm never going to feel better. I'm never going to find my way out of this. And lo and behold, I did, but I couldn't see it then. So similarly, when I feel those feelings again, recognizing that there's something I can't see yet, and there's a comfort in that. For those who have less to no resistance to feelings, there's more permission for them to flow. There's not a lot of additional emotional reaction to emotions. Then life's dramas become adventures, right? Or portals to awakening. When we do not accept the complexity and imperfection of earthly life, it can seem like such an affront that anything wrong is happening. On the other hand, where and when there's a fundamental okayness with the reality that life is complex and imperfect, we can utilize the energy that we have to become creative about how we want to live our lives within the challenges that have been presented to us. It might even become fun. And I recognize the blatant kinkiness of that statement, so it may be a good time to re-recommend Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. So I'm going to get into the week's transits in more detail after a few announcements. One, the status of the weekly forecasts. After writing these for seven years, mostly every week, I took a summer off, and I thought I was maybe done with this form of astrological writing for good, and announced that I was. But then I began to miss writing them. My intention had not been to stop astrological writing altogether, but to make more space to innovate and try other things. Taking time away, I've gained more perspective about why I write these forecasts, you know, how they are an actual extension of my nature and how I operate energetically. And I do see myself continuing to write them while making more space to take weeks off or to create other things in place of these forecasts. So I am softly returning to this practice Thanks for your warm welcome back. October books are open. I have a few spaces left for evolutionary astrology fusion readings, and these readings are based in the evolutionary astrology approach, 
which is to uncover a narrative of the soul's evolution in the chart via Pluto and the lunar nodes. This is an investigation of our deeper soul level storyline and what fundamentally compels us and the gifts and challenges that have arisen from our most deeply rooted desires and patterns. Because we can work with this material for our whole life, I tend to localize the reading to what's on your heart space now, offering the bigger picture vision of the natal chart, but zooming into what in this deeper narrative is being worked with now and what doorways and openings might be here now, where you are situated, what you might be leaving behind, what you might be moving toward. These fusion readings um, are about synthesizing this approach that I'm really rooted in with Pluto on the nodes, but to bring in Hellenistic astrology um, and exploration of Greek myths that are highlighted in your chart through minor asteroids, I've added in like 50 to 70 of them and scanned for ones that are really prominent for you. And then at the end of the reading, we integrate the session with EFT tapping personalized visualization or Akashic channeling, one of those, depending on what came up in the collaboration of the reading space. So I love um, tapping in with you individually about your chart. I see my readings as conversational, as collaborative, um, and we make meaning together, coming to the natal chart as a kind of oracle space. So the link to book with me is in the notes. Um, if you see sessions, that means there's still spots. If you don't see anything, it means they're sold out. And the best way to find out about my books being open is to be on my mailing list. And I'll leave the link in the notes as well. And then the Dragon of the Moon and Evolutionary Astrology Initiation. So this was previously called the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, but I gave it a new title because the experience... Um, is a journey and it just needed a name that reflected that. So this program, um, it's coming again in February and the there's early enrollments before February 1st. This program is designed to give students a footing in their own astrological intuition and literacy. And we journey specifically into a deeper understanding of Pluto on the lunar nodes, how to read charts from the perspective of the soul, we learn how to decode the inherent meaning or value in every experience we've ever had as the soul explicitly learns through experience. And with this insight, also gain the power to make new choices and tell new stories, right? To kind of see into the deeper mythos of the life that we've been leading and within that to gain more agency and awareness about how we want to move forward. An understanding of Pluto and the lunar nodes in the natal chart leads to a profound meditation on our deepest desires and inclinations in this life and the personality structures we've created to secure those desires. May or may not always work out for us, you know, so figuring out what, what we're doing and unraveling that and becoming more choiceful. By examining this material in a grounded, mythopoetic, compassionated space, compassionate space of the program, we had to uncover new ways that we might relate to our deepest motivations in a more life-enhancing way. The natal chart can guide us into discovering how the story we've been living as a soul wants to continue. I have found these teachings invaluable as I've grown up alongside them and built my life in relationship to them, and I'm honored to share it with the amazing tight-knit communities that form around this alchemical fire. So there's an application this time. I'm leaving that in the notes as well as the course page.
the course, the other thing I want to say before we get into the week is that it's a live course. We meet every week. We talk. We bond as a group. Um, there are like modules to watch, um, going through the concepts in a really building block kind of way to like give you astrological literacy, like help you get your footing in the realm or deepen if you're already in the realm. Um, but it's important to me that these are also communities and that we talk and that we have space to like um, dialogue. That's really important to me. And I think it supports um, astrological literacy. So I'm really excited to be offering this again. And again, you can find more details and apply in the notes. Okay, here's our week. October 5th, Vesta stations direct in 22 degrees of Aquarius at 11.13 a.m. Pacific. Vesta is a priestess archetype of devotion, sacred space, and cultivated slash contained fire. Contained fire is different than wildfire in the sense that a contained fire is intentional and bordered. Vesta is about channeling or focusing our passions. With Vesta stationing in Aquarius, we might consider how we tend to the massive amount of information represented by this sign. Aquarius relates to the higher mind, a deeper personal memory than this lifetime, as well as a collective field of information like the Akashic Records. It also relates to mental trauma and places where we, where we have fractured and split off due to shocking events in the past. Aquarius is both the process of this mental splitting and the process of reintegration. Right. It is interesting to think about how Aquarius and Uranus house these same things like trauma and shock, as well as higher perspective, um, which could lead us to think about why are those things connected, you know, and like, why is it, you know, when we're in a state of shock or trauma, um, it's not necessarily just the old normal that we're going back to. It's like there's an integrative quality of seeing things from a bigger perspective, making sense of, um, right, and a sense that finding the higher perspective that really supports us is also a question of discernment because sometimes higher perspective um, doesn't necessarily help create that sense of connection right like it might feel more splitting or more disconnecting um and to be able to tell the difference I mean I think there's just something about when you have the chills or like when you feel really like wow like something is inducing a sense of greater kind of like intellectual or embodied harmony like oh, that just makes sense and that like gives me life that's an example, I think, of like the higher perspective that's like a campfire that you want to gather around, as opposed to when you have someone explain the bigger picture, you know, big think idea, and you're just like, that sounds whack. <laughs> like, I'm not about that. And even though it may be compelling or it has this sense of um, story to it, it may not necessarily be something that we find warming or something that we find life giving. So, feeling into your um, discernment around that. It can be touchy, you know, when we try to come up with higher perspectives or source higher perspectives about things that 
we really struggle with at a personality level, um, but also so helpful. I know for me that whenever I'm going through intense um, disruption in my life um, or in my self-concept, that that's when I become deeply receptive to higher perspective. Like it, it does something important for me in those times. And I, I don't shut myself off to higher perspective in those times just because it may seem trite. You know, it's like there is the holding of, yeah, my human is like not happy about what's happening, but what does my higher self think about this kind of thing? So Vesta is artful about relating to that which could consume us. She's like a fire dancer, a snake charmer. She understands kundalini, right? If you're tending to a fire, um, you're working with something volatile. And in Aquarius, it's like she's working with electricity and voltage. We may be undergoing illuminations or adjustments around how we relate to trauma and the variety of aspects of self that have been split off from our main day-to-day identity and awareness. You know how, like, I don't even know where this percentage comes from, but as a kid, I learn that we're only using like 15% of our brains. What does that even mean? (laughs) Right. And so just thinking about like your whole self, like capital S self and the, the way that we're like accessing a part of our full potential. And every time we bring a little bit more of ourselves online, it's like a little bit destabilizing, right? Like people have um, mania or experiences of awakening where it's like they are rattled and shaken and it's like hard to go to the grocery store, right? And so just thinking about like, if you're committed, if you're in a process of commitment in your life to coming back online and bringing fractured parts of yourself back on the main, the mainland, the main control panel I don't like the phrase control panel but like the main the main okay (laughs) I'll just keep it at that um how do you tend to that um integration process so one Aquarius medicine is excitement following our excitement listening to the impulses and whispers that bring us more to life Following our excitement often brings change and often brings us back into contact with aspects of ourselves that we've left dormant. Continually cultivating excitement and allowing it to escalate is not a lot unlike being a fire dancer or a snake charmer. If we realize that authentic excitement that surprises us is an encounter with a more electric aspect of life that has the power to deeply confront us as the thread unfolds. Excitement brings us into contact with a deeper range of our own self and parts of self that have been sleeping or out of view. However, to ignore this area of life is to have an unnecessarily dull experience. So we may draw upon the wisdom of Vesta here for balance. If we are going to up-level, upgrade, or radically come into contact with a deeper vibrancy within us, how do we make a home for ourselves in the new frequency? After a peak experience, how does it change our approach to everyday life? After a massive chills-inducing revelation, how does it fertilize our entire life? You know, another place I experience this is just having like a, a newer kind of like daily divination practice right? Like it's awakening to feel the planets and to see them, to like look at the transits and see that they're manifesting. That's an awakening. Um, Recently, 
as I've been doing like divination in the morning with tarot and oracle spreads, it's a little bit shocking the ways that it comes to pass during the day. And I find that finding a sense of personal and spiritual stability within that level of like, wow, like awe, um, is an up level, right? Like if you start paying attention to your dreams and find the oracle in your sleep, right? Or like see a deeper part of your soul. What is it like to integrate that? Because I think that, you know, it's part of our, our birthright, I would say, to like really be radically alive in this life. And every time we come more to life, it's like it shakes up something maybe stagnant, um, something from the past or old paradigms. And yeah, I just think of Vesta and Aquarius as like she's doing such a magnificent job at like stabilizing and tending to the fire of our like electric awakening in a way that doesn't turn into a full-on wildfire um, that's out of control, but it's like steadily growing, being tended to. October 6th. We have Mercury in 26 degrees of Virgo, trine Pluto retrograde in 26 degrees of Capricorn at 8.55 p.m. An awareness of error or dysfunction may be emerging that is psychologically confronting to be with, or we may be realizing more deeply the ways our actions, patterns, and thoughts have created problematic consequences. We will want to be We'll, we'll want to take care to not be excessive in the ways that we ruminate, regret, or punish. These problems likely have solutions. Solving problems is a form of evolution. We may want to cultivate the mental discipline to focus on what we can do to improve the situation without wasting our energy on the excesses mentioned above. So rumination, regret, and punishment, right? It's like something's not working out. What can I do to make it better? There's simplicity in that, but it may feel intense, <laughs> right? It's like when we have a deep reckoning with like, oh, there's this subconscious way that I've been relating to life that's manifesting this whole drama. Whoops, <laughs> my bad. Let me fix it now. You know, it's not like it's necessarily easy to look at. And the solutions might actually be quite cutting edge for us, but there's a way that we can be efficient and economical about being with that material. And then October 7th, the sun in Libra, 14 degrees of Libra, will oppose Chiron retrograde in 14 degrees of Aries at 3.48 a.m. This opposition highlights the reality that relationships are a place where we work out material, such as our core wounds, personal vulnerabilities, and early attachment stories. Right. I think there's a lot of. Um, on the one hand, people seeking relationship, there's a, a really there's a longing and there's a desire. There's a sense that like. I mean, I think relationships are important. We'll just say that. But there's a. Hope going into relationship that my life is going to be meaningful or everything's just going to be better because of a relationship when things are just different in a relationship, right? Like the type of way that we're working through life material, it's like there's a mirroring that happens in relationship. There's um, emotional bonds 
that bring up, you know, make up, make the space, make the ground for us to work with some things, right? It's like, even if we do this alone, right? Like the more close and intimate we become with ourselves and like securely attached, say in ourselves and our, in our own life, then our psyche's like, cool, you're strong enough now. Here's some material that you haven't like had the strength to look at before, but now you can deal with it. (laughs) Right. And it's like relationships, the deeper the love, um, there's just new stuff that comes up. And I think that the sun Chiron opposition in Aries and Libra is like something going on around like how we're personally evolving or feeling personally challenged through the mirror of relationship or where relationships are pointing us back to something that's like, oh, this is the same thing I bring into all my relationships, this same pattern. I thought it was about the other person, but it takes two to tango. And I've been bringing this up over and over and over again. Of course, there is a dimension within relationship that it's celebration and creation. It's not just all working out wounds, you know, Uh, genuinely we can create. No matter how amazing a relationship is, it will have its issues just as every individual has issues. One issue that may be arising within this opposition is the way in which we or others are feeling the need to defend ourselves. In what way does relating constellate threat? What is at risk? These inquiries may relate to our own softening and the realization that we're bringing more reactivity to the situation than needed. Alternately, these inquiries may relate to an understanding that sensitivity or boundary is needed, right? That maybe um, we're feeling unsettled because there is an issue. Discernment. And these negotiations, Libra, may be based in personal understanding, Aries. And these are dynamic, alive fluctuations in the same sense that relationships change our personal concept and our personal concept changes our relationships. Thus, renegotiations occur at deeper and deeper, deeper, deeper and deeper levels of intimacy. I just want to admit, I haven't said anything. Um, I have stitches in my mouth and it's a little bit hard to talk. And that's why I've not been making content for a little bit um so just please bear with me as I stumble over my words now and then um October 8th Pluto stations direct in 26 degrees of Capricorn at 2 56 p.m Pluto stations infuse the air with an extra presence of intensity opera and drama as Pluto relates to our deepest attachments and desires and the anguish and turmoil we go through in reckoning with that dimension of life right think about artists they make songs about falling in love and about heartbreak and just like the intensity that moves through us when we're like really with the the things that relate to our desire and passion Pluto also relates to the process of becoming cleaner and more intentional and empowered about how we relate to our desire, the empowerment process we have of realizing our innate magnetism or innate capacities. Instead of reaching for our own power outside of us and constellating the various power dynamics that ensue when we identify something so important and valuable to us as outside of us. There's infinite amounts of ways that we do this, right? Like, um, the shadow, like how we're motivated in ways, it's like, that's a lifelong unraveling. <laughs> like we we gain certain clarity and then there's new stuff that comes up. And so 
why I love working with Pluto is that we get to imagine all these different ways that we actually um, start to play these power games that aren't totally necessary, right? Like when we put a symbolic projection on another person, like this person gives me access to this kind of experience, then we feel like there's a power dynamic with that. You know, if this relationship works out, then I get to be in the the Garden of Eden or I get to have this advancement in my career or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that we're bonding to, an idea, an experience, a person. And it is true that we can become more than what we currently are when we bond or merge with something beyond us. But the question is how we're doing it, right? And if we're creating mutually enhancing bonds and relationships, as opposed to if we're engaging in extractive or manipulative dynamics. We can do that to ourselves. We can do that in the ways that we relate. And when we're in the extractive or manipulative space, the drama gets more and more intense. So over the years, Pluto stations have taught me to tread lightly and to be introspective. The situation at hand that feels like the source of intensity is often a cipher for something else, something deeper and more unconscious, right? Like if you were at a movie or you were watching a film and you're like really identifying with like something that one of the characters is going through, you can recognize that because you know you're watching a movie. Um, In life, there may be like a person that's kind of getting on your nerves in a way that's like a little bit out of proportion Um, or a situation that feels like that much more intense, Um, there may be an issue. There may be something going on with the person, the experience, but the level of intensity and projection gets heightened when Pluto's stationing. So there's a balance around attending to the reality of any given situation and then piecing apart our own projections onto it. With Pluto and Capricorn, we may think of the power of time to help us gain clarity on a situation that feels emergent or pressing. And consider if we're relating to time as though time is on our side or as though we're fighting it, right? Like the, it's too late for me kind of thing, or like, it's never going to get better, you know, like any way that we're like really feeling dramatic about something related to time, I would just be mindful of. With Pluto and Capricorn, we might also think about our own relationship with emotional sobriety and accepting what is versus the amount of energy we put into resisting what is or trying to control what is. It is possible that with accepting certain harder truths, we can become more creative about how to work with the limitations. There may also be a theme on the way that excessive doubt weakens us, doubt about our intuition, doubt that things will ever work out, doubt about ourselves and our confidence. Doubt is a shaky energy. It's not the same thing as being realistic. Doubt is a liminal space of not knowing. Doubt does not need to be bypassed, but we might look for the opening to come to a deeper place of trust, even in the face of the unknown. We might limit our investment in the fears that emerge from the orientation of doubt and find a place of steadiness within that can wait out the storm, or the place of steadiness within us that can make a move internally or externally in a helpful direction. Right, Jumping to a conclusion or a sense of having answers just to avoid the discomfort of doubt 
is still rooted in doubt. And so I think there's something about being patient or being being able to sit with it, but not act from it in the sense of being in that like shaky space um, in a prolonged way unnecessarily, but also not jumping to something just because it is an escape. I hope that makes sense. I think about this sometimes when I'm like, if I'm in a state of fear that the decisions I make to try to circumvent the fear are still rooted in the fear. So what I need to do first is face the fear and then I can find a deeper orientation or a deeper foundation from which to act. And I think the same is for doubt. Doubt is not full-blown as fear, but it is a similar frequency. October 9th, we have the full moon in 16 degrees of Aries at 1.55 p.m. Venus in Libra is under the beams of the sun in Libra. The moon is conjunct Chiron in Aries. Saturn in Aquarius forms a trine to Venus and the sun in Libra and a sextile to the moon in Aries. Consider what houses in your chart are ruled by Libra and Aries for insight about what's um, personally like being lit up by this lunation for you. Aries is motivated around the pursuit of becoming a full expression of itself, starting from a seed form. The seed knows it will one day become a tree, even as a seed. And so Aries has this enormous appetite for seeing itself realized. The journey to realization is full of challenge, obstacle, and initiations, which Aries is all the more attuned to because of the awareness that one is moving towards some special destiny. If the seed had no idea it would one day become a tree, the road from seed to tree wouldn't feel so epic and heroic and dramatic. It would just be a series of events that happen to lead to realization. Or it's possible without that desire even for a grander life that the call to adventure wouldn't have been answered and that there wouldn't be so much available energy to surmount the obstacle. Aries wants to be freed from the past and propelled into the promise of victory, which is literally encoded at birth. An emotional reveal may be occurring with this full moon that it is our impatience to arrive our impatience to win or secure a victory. So that's the emotional reveal, this impatience. And whatever that looks like for us, especially related to the house topics that Aries rules in our own natal charts. So within this impatience, it's like there's two threads that come to mind for me. One is being open to trusting the passage of time, be like, we're working, we're on our way, we're doing, we're on the path and trusting, right? And then I think there's also something within Aries about where we can be honest with ourselves about where a situation requires our, our leadership, right? Aries is the first sign. Aries relates to taking a step out into the unknown. There's a fundamental kind of insecurity within Aries of like, having this energy that's predisposed to like step out and do something, but maybe no one else is doing it or we haven't done it before. And so it may be the vehicle toward that victory that we seek of like, I need to do this courageous thing that I feel called to do, but I don't know if it's actually going to work out for me. And that's why it takes courage to do it. So something about both trusting the flow of life but also recognizing when that flow of life is telling us that we are the flow and that we're here to like do something new and that it is okay to take an action. 
So there may be a call for an orientation around like having faith that our healing or personal realization is happening even when we can't recognize it. Symbolically, Venus in the beams of the sun represents something good or reconciliatory that we can't see yet. It's behind the scenes. This sun is casting full light on the moon conjunct Chiron, where we are very much feeling or very aware of our own wounds and pain points. It's like a moment of feeling separate from what we're working toward, not being able to imagine or see the results we are so intuitively drawn to. Aries is so often a call to courage, and here it is a call to keep moving toward the promise of realization, even if we experience lapses and trust that it is going to work out. There may be a real medicine in pursuing alignment and not being attached to outcome. Right. And every now and then when we are so tired of like keeping up the hope or whatever, those are our good ego death portals too. Always, you know, balance. It's Libra season. And I think of uh, advice from a friend in a moment of difficulty one day we'll look back on this moment and laugh at how it was all part of the story, right? Like we don't have the whole plot point yet. We're just in the, the raw vulnerability of being new. October 10th, Venus in 14 degrees of Libra will oppose Chiron retrograde. And then Mercury enters Libra at 4.50 p.m. Mercury now direct re-enters Libra. We leave behind the pragmatic, organized, detail-oriented placement of Mercury in Virgo and enter a Mercury placement that is more concerned with aesthetic and beauty, such as having a beautiful perspective or cultivating romantic thought. There may also be concern around having a fair analysis of a situation, taking into account various or contradicting factors and making a judgment. October 11th. Sun in 18 degrees of Libra will trine Saturn retrograde in 18 degrees of Aquarius at 6.06 p.m. Pacific. We may want to consider the ways we compartmentalize our vision or sight that have the effect of drawing the curtains in a room full of plants, denying those plants nutrients. When our vision becomes stifling because we are choosing to look at something negative, perhaps, and ignore the cultivation of life. On the other hand, we can consider where we can restore balance in our lives by intentionally casting light of awareness on something life-enhancing. Where is our attention fruitful now, and how can that attention restore harmony to our overall life, mood, and well-being? This is not to promote ignoring what needs to be tended to, but rather to acknowledge that cutting ourselves off from all light in myopic awareness of what is wrong can lead to imbalances whereas tending to and magnifying the good and the beautiful, intentionally finding it, can produce momentum. And then we have Mars in 23 degrees of Gemini, square Neptune retrograde in 23 degrees of Pisces at 10.46 p.m. And I've written about the whole like Mars retrograde and went into Mars-Neptune square in the episode about the Mars retrograde. So that's further back. Um, and I'll also leave the link to the article in the notes. This transit speaks to a profound, infinite number of possibilities in reality. Gemini is a shapeshifter and can approach reality from an infinite number of angles. From a spiritual perspective, we can look at Neptune as source, the source from which all things come and return to. 
Source has the capacity to animate a variety of realities and timelines, real and fantastical. We go to see a film and watch a fantasy and story before our eyes, and then the film ends. So too, we also have experiences and dreams which come into form and leave form. We have days which begin and end. Everything essentially is animated for a time and then returns to the source. It is often said that all spiritual paths lead to the same end, the same home, the same place of realization, like a mountain peak. However, we could also consider the concept of one ocean, many shores, coined, I believe, by philosopher Jorge Ferre. This is to say that the same source animates all possibilities, but the path we take will lead us to a variety of shores or experiences within the reality. Okay, I'm talking about reality surfing come from the same ocean, we're coming from the same source, but what experience are you choosing to ride the wave of? We think it's real, but it's one of many realities. And that's the mind-bending side of Gemini, right? And I think there are natural laws, there are truths, and there's also a lot of flexibility in terms of the variety of different experiences we can be having here. With the Mars-Neptune square, there are infinite possibilities. Even within the frame of limitations, there are infinite ways to relate. And we are at some risk of draining our vital energy by entertaining streams of possibility which are related to our fear and anxiety. On the other hand, we can be quite creative and inspired about working with streams of possibility that animate and enchant our lives in meaningful directions. Right? I think we're getting more dramatic feedback at this point in time about how the way that we're thinking, the ideas that we're putting our energy behind, Mars and Gemini, is it producing vitality or is it a kind of internal violence or an internal um, draining of energy? And this is a principle that I think is always true, right? That ideas and the way we think influences our emotions and our emotions influence our actions. Um, But the feedback, I think, is just all the more pressing and confrontational right now with Mars and Gemini square Neptune. Like we're, we're getting to see how our ideas is animating the Maya, the field of illusion, Um, how our ideas are diffusing our energy in a negative way. Um, But we also can see where we can be very visionary, where we might, you know, relate to an idea or a perspective that makes us excited and gets us motivated and how that's a way different way to relate to life than being stuck in the loop of thinking about things that are making us want to pull our hair out and are like keeping us up in the middle of the night anxious, right? So mental discipline is a skill that I think is always worth cultivating in any astrological weather. And this week, it's not even just about mental discipline. It's about creativity and seeing how we're surfing a wave of consciousness when we have certain thoughts. Um, And so how do we want to relate (laughs) to these seas that we're in? So it's important to consider the nature of boundarylessness at the moment in the way that it might feel real and compelling to entertain a particular stream of thought or action. But it's just one of many possible realities. And if we're more liable to be carried away right now, we can be intentional about what we are choosing to get carried away with. 
how we really wish to be living our lives. So thank you for meditating on the transits with me. I'm happy to be back. Um, go ahead and, you know, I want to invite you again to check out the Dragon of the Moon page and feel into if you want to study astrology with me in February. Um, I really love holding these groups and just creating a space for us to like really go deeper into the meditation of our lives um, through this beautiful lens of this wisdom school. So I'm going to read a testimonial that I had from a recent student, Kristen, um, who was in the last intensive. I'm a longtime reader of Sabrina Monarch's astrology writing. Her columns have been so insightful and helpful to me over the years that I think I just started to treat her words like she was receiving transmissions for all of us. Her work always feels alive and resonant and on point. So recently, after a year where both my parents died and an all manner of other loss had been opening up in my life, I decided it was time to throw down and take Sabrina's intensive evolutionary astrology course. And I'm so very glad I did. It was truly transformative. I learned so much about myself, astrology, karma, and the human condition. Delving into Pluto on the nodes has completely shifted my sense of my chart and my life. I now have a more aligned and deepened sense of who I am and what kind of wave I'm riding in this life. The course is structured really well to build from learning planetary qualities to being able to read a chart intuitively on the spot. I'm amazed by how much I learned. In addition, I really liked the other people in the class. The class draws some amazing magical healing folks from across great geographical distances. What a gift. One of the best parts of the class, though, is observing Sabrina's delineations of people's charts. She has a way of finding the creative potential in every combination. She never sees anything as static or stuck. She doesn't frame anything as negative. Everything is framed in terms of how your soul is evolving. Every challenge comes with medicine. It's such a productive and encouraging framework that it yields what it promises. It helps us evolve. It brings out the best in us. This course provides ample opportunity for self-study, self-discovery, and healing. It helped me bring into view some hidden and atrophied parts of myself and begin aligning them with parts that are working and in plain sight. I feel like I've got a much better sense of who I am at a soul level and what I'm ultimately called toward in my life, in this life. And I made some new friends. Um, so I will leave the link in the notes and I'm so happy to be back. And soon I will be back on video, YouTube, I'm sure. Um, yeah, really happy to be back from such a beautiful summer. Um, really on the tail end also of this particular dental healing, Saturn return, typical textbook stuff. Um, but I love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for your enthusiasm about these forecasts. Um, and I'll be back again soon.